0: Okay, so I uh, before making actually the film Chicken with Plum, I wrote uh, the book uh, Chicken with Plum that that was a comic book. They call it now the graphic novel, and uh, you know I was uh, talking very much about Iranian revolution and uh, you know the Iranian war, etc., etc. And I thought that you know it was something missing about you know the Iranian love story. So the base of that was that, uh, that is the story uh, from Attar, the uh, great Iranian poet, uh, that uh, how Attar became actually a poet and how he became a Sufi. So apparently he was in the bazaar and uh, Attar is the one who sells the perfume. So a man came and said, Attar, you should give me some money. And Attar said, no, I won't give it to you. So I, know, I need some money. And at the end, I told, tell him, so what would you do if I don't give you the, 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 the money? So the man say, I will lie down here and I will die. And so I thought in this belief, he say, okay. So the man lies down there and he dies. And that is where he, you know, he has like a light in, in his life. And that is after that, that he quits the shop and, you know, the business and he became the big poet. This is what I read. And I always had the feeling that, at one point, if there is no will or any wish to, to live, uh, then one can die just by decide, deciding that they don't want to be alive. And what is the uh, best reason you know, to die if it is not for love? Because uh, it is true, it's not true when people they say we are equal in front of everything, we're even not equal uh, towards death. Uh, you know when you are more rich, for example, you can die in a much more peaceful way. You can have nurses, you know people taking care of you, giving the right medicine, et cetera, et etc. Then when you're poor you don 't have uh, this this kind of thing, but we are all equal to towards the pain of love, no matter where we come from, no matter how much money we have, when our heart is broken, our heart is broken, and that is no money, nothing that can actually arrange that So I base myself on the story of uh, my mother's uh, uncle, who was a great musician. And he died for some unknown reasons. Uh, he was a very good guitar player. So I had to change it to violin, you know, because I did not have any French actor who could actually play the uh, guitar because they have a very unusual way of uh, playing with the string that is not like a guitar or anything like that. So I changed it to, to, to a violin for, 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 for this reason. And I just, and apparently when he was playing in his garden in Tehran, it would be traffic jam because, you know, the cars would stop just to listen, you know, to the beautiful sound of his tar. And, um, but he died, just like I said, in a mysterious way. And I try to imagine what could that be. And in the Iran of the 50s, you know the story of Romo and Juliet uh, was uh, still something possible. I think today it is in any conservative uh, society, when that is the family who decide who you can marry, who you cannot marry, in which way, etc. this kind of drama. Always happen. Now we have the luxury in the modern world actually to decide who we are going to marry or divorce or you know whatever love or not love, but at the time and even I guess today it was not this easy. And I just tried to uh, imagine what would be his reason of dying. And I think the big biggest reason of dying, you know, is the notion of uh, losing the pleasure. And little by little during these eight days, from the second that he. Decide to die until he dies, he just loses the pleasure one after the other, and uh, at the end he gives up and the last pleasure that he loses is actually the pleasure of eating which is uh, which is quite uh, incredible because that is our instinct. but the day that even the eating does not give you any pleasure, this is a little bit the end of it so um, Also, I wanted a lot to talk about the notion of pleasure because we also live in a world you know where uh, At the time, I had the feeling that they were going to tell me that if I made like this and this sport and I eat this and this yogurt and, you know, like, I don't know, I drink vegetable juice and I don't smoke and I do all this thing, eventually I'm not going to die, which is absolutely not true because we're all going to die no matter how many uh, green juice we drink and how many uh, yogurt we eat. We end up dying and not only that, we have to, we have to become old because uh, this is the Only way we can accept actually this notion of dying. Uh, You know, little by little we lose the control of our body, little by little everything gets destroyed. And actually, you know, they becoming old is a preparation for death. So this is not something we should fight because, you know, it's like a lie that we say to ourselves. And also, this whole idea that, you know, we have to give a very healthy body, you know, to this uh, ground. Uh, why? I mean, if I'm going to die, I hope that my body is so rotten and uh, yeah, comp- so destroyed that even the worms in the ground don't want to eat me. This is why I keep on smoking and I keep on doing whatever I like to do because uh, I really don't feel like giving fresh meat to the worms. Actually, if I'm going to die, uh, better I die for, for one reason. So it has a lot to do with the theme of death, which is actually my obsession in life and how it not be and I think a beautiful love story so this is what I had to say for the beginning of uh, this project so basically this is the first feature film that I made with real actors so there are some mistakes there's some Mm -hmm. kind of you know uh, you can see that I'm still not a uh, you know, I, I said I had to learn a lot. So there's a, some part of the movie that I watch and I'm like, oh my God, why did, why did I do that? But I do that for this film and any other thing that I do in my life, I'm never satisfied. Uh, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it and I'm extremely happy to answer to all your questions.
1: Thank you. We do have a few questions coming in. Um, so one viewer asks, how close is this storyline to your real life? Was the girl name, or the girl whose name was Iran a symbolism for all the folks who have left Iran and loved ones after the revolution? And there are a few other questions about the significance of the name Iran in, in the character. Well,
0: well obviously, well, Iran actually is a female name in Iran. Is France, France uh, is a is a French name meaning France, and female. They are called this way. And obviously, I use this name that because that was a parallel between, between losing the life of the love of your life and the losing the country that I have lost. Uh, you know, no matter, no matter. You know where you come from. No matter. You know how other people they consider this place. You're still born, and and you know even the geography of this place is unique and even you know the way the sun shines or you know like the quality of the air and you know like the the color of the sky is not the same everywhere the sun does not have the same brightness everywhere this is this is not true so you know it's something this is something that has been taken from me I mean I have taken it from me myself because I decided to write Persepolis and I knew that as a result I could not go back to my country And this is a country that I love a lot because as I say, it's just something instinctive. I've grown up there and I have, you know, I grew up, you know, waking up seeing this huge mountain of Alborz, you know, 5,700 meters, you know, in front of my eyes. And, you know, this uh, very polluted city of Tehran and, you know, the Heights and, you know, it's kind of theater of surrealism, you know, everywhere you go, you know, it's something completely surrealistic happening because in this, Chaos in, in this something that is called, you know, like a dictatorship. You have a kind of a anarchy that is just under where everything under this dictatorship is still possible. So you know, you have to break the rules in order to be able to be alive. So it's it is something very exciting and vivid. So yeah, so it was very important to uh, call this women's woman's name Iran because uh, I think from all the work that I did. The, the character that is closest to me is Nasser Ali Khan, is actually the protagonist of, of the film. And as he was a man, and as he, uh, you know, he was a musician, et cetera, et cetera, that was much easier for me to hide myself behind him because as soon as I put a female character, then everybody makes a connection with me. It was for me much easier to hide behind the man.
1: Thank you. Actually, there is a similar question to where you left off, where someone asks, um, how might the story have been different if the main character was a woman instead of a man, which you briefly touched on?
0: Yes, because, you know, I don't believe, you know, now is a whole fashion, you know, like uh, in Hollywood uh, that, you know, like, for example, if you write a script and that is female talking, uh, then the female uh, writers, they have to write, you know, what the females they're saying. Uh, which I think it goes against any idea of literature. Literature does not have any gender. You know? I mean, I don't think necessarily uh, because you're a woman, you understand a woman very well. And because you're a man, you understand a man very well. The best example for that, I, I've always said it, is that like, uh, you know, I read uh, somebody like Flaubert. Uh, Flaubert, he writes Madame Bovary. And Flaubert was a man who almost didn't know any women. And when he described Madame Bovary, even with all her pathetic side and everything, I can actually identify to this woman, even with her pathetic side. It's something, you know, about you know, the way you know she thinks something and is not true and she believes in something and eventually she ends up dying, you know, out of a love that she has created in her own brain that is all made by herself. But I didn't I identify to this character extremely easily. And then I read, for example, Anaïs Nin, who is like the big author, you know, of feminism and, you know, she has this husband and she cheats on him and she has all this love affair. And every time she goes somewhere, uh, you know, like all the man, you know, uh, they, we, we immediately they're in love with her. They have a great erection. They're making love goes perfectly well. Everything is fantastic. I don't know, you know, she never smelled under her armpit, nothing. You know, this woman is not me. So I cannot identify to what Anais Nien writes. So I have always been extremely suspicious about, you know, if I was a woman, I had to talk about a woman, et cetera, et cetera. And it was for me very important after Persepolis, when I talk really about me, myself, you know, my childhood, my adolescence, my youth, blah, 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 to talk actually about the character that would be asked for uh, from me as being a, Man, you know, with four children and being a musician and you know, being a little bit on the depressive side, which is everything that is not like me, uh, but it was also a liberation. And I think if the story that w- was a woman, um, probably it would be the same, maybe the suffering would be the expression of the suffering would, would be somehow, somehow different. I don't know. Thank you.
1: Uh, A viewer comments. Beautiful movie. I loved it. Thank you. Did you consider having Iran recognize Nasser at the end? That was a heartbreaking exchange.
0: Well, well, she, she recognized him, but she pretends she does not recognize him because it is always like that, you know? I mean, if she, you know, she goes and she marries somebody else and she has a grandchild, so she has taken, you know, she has taken the decision and if she says she recognizes him, that means her whole life is under a question mark. And this is impossible. This is extremely difficult, you know, to live. And, uh, and for him, the fact that she does not recognize him, means that means he has been suffering so many years for no reason, <laughs> because, you know, she suffered for somebody who did not recognize him, but actually she did. But it's a little bit the story of Romeo and Juliet, you know. You know, she she thinks he's dead and then he thinks she's dead, etc. You know, this is like the basis of drama, I say,
1: I think. Thank you. A viewer writes, if you don't mind sharing, you mentioned that when you watch Chicken with Plums, there are a few mistakes that you find to be glaring. From a viewer's perspective, the movie appears seamless. When you watch the movie, what strikes you as a mistake or as something amateurly done?
0: everything looks like a mistake but any work that i do for me from the beginning until the end for me i have only done mistake because you know like with with a distance i always say oh that one i could have done it this way why didn't i put the camera there why this sentence was say, say the same thing but it's the same thing you know for for my books you know i i read one time uh, persepolis back and i thought it was crap and i read it and i was like uh, This is really bad stuff. I could have made a much better work. It's always the same that I could have, I could have. No, but the thing is that I always have the satisfaction of knowing that at the time that I do something, I actually do it with all my heart and I do the best I can at this moment. The thing also is that in your life, you progress. I mean, thank God, you know, like that life has some kind of meaning. So this progress makes that, you know, next time you do something, you're more careful about details, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's the insatisfaction. And at the same time, it's a good thing to be insatisfied because if you're satisfied, then you think that you're the center of the world and then that is the end of everything.
1: Um, another viewer asks, what, is your, what was your transition from writing novels to films? How does filmmaking differ and do you have a preference between them?
0: Well, from writing, I mean first of all I never ever wanted to be a, a you know a director never it was not my plan I've always been you know a cinephile I always love to go to cinema I always you know because this is this moment and really going to the theater going actually sitting two hours you know in this dark, dark room because you have an energy when you see people with uh, a film with other people you have like an energy that invades the whole place so you are actually you know taken by this energy but you know, from liking stuff, you know, until doing them, it's a huge way. You know, I, you know, I like watching astronauts to go to space too. But you know, I don't go to the space. Um, so it happened that you know, a, the husband of a friend of mine, he wanted to become become a producer, and so he say, oh, what about we make Persepolis into a film? And I was like, no, this is not a good idea because you know, I have worked four years of making the on making the books. So why would I change the narration and something that I have been uh, concentrated on for such a long time I have to think it in another way to make it a film and then normally you know when you make adaptation the adaptation of a book is never good the adaptation of the book made by the author is like horror it's it's almost never good so really I was like, why doing it? Because at the end, I'm going to make the worst film, you know, in the history of uh, human beings. And at, at the same time, you have this little Jiminy Cricket voice that is you know, in you, which is telling me, you know, they're going to pay you to, for you to learn something new. You know, normally you pay to learn. So now they were going to pay me and I was like, you know, it, it was like they they give you a great toy, you know, to a kid, and they say, oh, would you like to play with it? Yes, of course. But it, I didn't didn't have any notion of anything. So for me, it was really like diving into the ocean uh, without knowing how to swim. So trying to reach the shore and at the same time learning to swim and to breathe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but really, with the fear that is going to be the worst film in the in the world. But eventually when you're so scared that something really bad happened, it, it's never as bad as you, you, you think. And I think I had this thing to really put the book aside and think, think, you know, like how would I make it as a film? Now, you know, the thing is that the narration, the way you tell the story in a book format and the way you do it in a, in a film is completely different. So it's a, a, another mindset. Now, naturally, I'm a very solitarian person. I really like to be alone. I mean, I can, I, can, I can say something that will sound arrogant, but I really enjoy my own, own company. I'm really happy with myself. You know, it's like, I don't need so much, you know, to see different kind of people. So writing books in a way is great because, you know, I'm me with myself. I work when I want, when I don't want. And there is no money involved, you know. I can buy, you know, the best Japanese paper and the best ink of blah blah, blah And uh, at the end, you know, I, with five hundred dollars, I have all the material to make it, to make you two two books, no problem. For a film, it's not even, you know, a fraction of a second. This five hundred dollars is nothing. So you know, so and as soon as you have money, the people that give money, of course, they have something to say because you know they have given you all this money. So you know. It's a work that has to be done uh, with other people. Now, I always, before that, I always work in a very solitarian way. And I really didn't know that I would actually enjoy to, uh, uh, working with other people. But at the beginning I say it was not easy because also it was an animated film and an animation film is takes for a long time. It's for, it takes forever. You know, you have to draw them, one by one, it's twelve images per second, it's five thousand four hundred seconds, so you just multiply to to realize how many pictures you have to make one by one. So at the beginning, when I started doing this film, oh my God, I hated everybody that I was working with, you know to the point, I was like, "God, kill them, so I don 't have to say hello to them every morning, and you know, I'm a smoker, so you know already in the morning, I'm not in good mood to start with. And then, you know, this hello, 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 is really not my style. And the moment that I stopped hating them and I really realized that actually people, they don't want to steal my style and just say hello and you know, uh, uh, it was almost the end of the project. And I realized that actually, when you work with people, they give you all your their, your, their talent, all their energy, the interpretation of the story. and. To tell you the truth is something that I would prefer in making films because movies in general, I think my movies are a machine for creating compassion and empathy. I think with movies, actually you can change the world. Uh, One of the reason America became such a big power is you know, with the American way of life. I don't think it's because I think you have the best way of living. But the way you showed it to us, you know, in all these American films, you know, we saw all these beautiful women with these beautiful dresses and the big house and na na and they were going here and there. So the American way of life was actually imposed because of the American films. So you know, it's culturally is extremely deep. And there are lots of people that don't have the patience of reading a book but everybody can watch a film you know you see it one and a half hour two hours you watch a movie and that is very easy so it's a machine of creating compassion and then also you have i have the notion of surprise because when i make my book you can imagine that at the end i don't look at my book and say oh how surprising great what a great thing i did how interesting I never say this, these things because I did it all myself. When I make a film, there's so many things that are not in my control. You know, they, they they you know, the director of photography would imagine something, the actor would propose something, somebody else, you know, the editor will do something, and at the end I have something that is not completely in my control. And I love this notion of surprise. And I love that at the end I have done something that is me, but is also many other people that. We're involved in. Jesus, that was a long answer, but I needed to develop.
1: <laughs> Thank you. There are a few questions about Nasser Ali's character. One viewer says, Nasser Ali had many nasty characteristics. Do you really identify him, with him? And then a oh, second okay. viewer, <laughs> a follow-up question. Um, a viewer says, I found it rather difficult to sympathize with the main character. Does losing a love make him selfish, self-centered, and uncaring? if he had been less so might he have been able to continue taking some pleasure in
0: life i think the thing is that she sees this woman who does not recognize him and that is the end of his life i think he has a broken heart i think i think he marries the wrong woman he's in the wrong life uh, i think all of that does that make out of him i think he's not sympathetic one bit and i think i i, I I like him very much because of that, because he does not try you know, to be sympathetic. He doesn't try to be nice. At one point he gives up and he decides to die, and then he dies. And I think when you become to this level, you know, talking about sympathy, it's really not his problem. It has been a moment when he was a very nice man but that is what is the most interesting because saying somebody is nasty, yes, people, they are nasty, but what I'm trying to show is that what makes a person become nasty. This is, this is much more interesting. And in his nastiness, I like him because I know that everything that made him become this very, this not very nice man all of them, there are noble reasons. All of them, there are very emotional reasons. All of them, there are beautiful reasons, but all these beautiful reasons break him so much that he becomes the man that he becomes. So yes, he's not very lovable, but I don't know, I always have this tendency to like very much the not lovable people. I don't know, I have an attraction for them.
1: Thank you. A viewer says, can you say a bit more about the title of the film? And then maybe kind of related to that. And another viewer asks, why French is the main language of the film instead of Farsi?
0: Well, the, uh, well, the title of the film, I told you, uh, in the, I said in the introduction, I think we, we die the day that we lose the pleasure of living. And one of the most vivid thing in the pleasure of living is actually eating. You know, it's actually, you have to breathe, you have to eat and you have to sleep. Uh, Without this tree, you cannot survive. You can survive with anything else. If they don't exist, it's okay. But you need to sleep, drink, breathe and eat. So basically that's it. So I think this is the moment that his wife prepares him, his favorite dish that is the chicken with plum. And in my family, that was this uncle who always, when he, he, it arrived to this Olu, the plum, they always say, oh, these are the breasts of Sophia Lora. And give me some, the, some of the Sophia Lora breasts because that was like the best of the best, the top, you know, like the best thing that you could have. So uh, that was because of that. As I just put the name of this food that I like very much, Olu Mosamad. I think they, we make it very much in the north of Iran. I'm not sure. I'm not sure in other parts of Iran they eat it as much as we do, but it's, it it used to be one of my favorite dishes, and I, 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 I think it's one of my family favorite dishes, so this is because of that. I forgot the second question.
1: Sorry, the second question was about why the film was in French instead of Farsi.
0: Well, you know, the whole history of cinema is about that. I don't think that Spartacus was actually speaking in American, and I don't think that the, Mozart spoke in English neither. You know, the whole thing is you just take, t- take a story. Now I work in France and I have to work with people that I can work with. And, uh, you know, I cannot work with Iranian actor because I have my reputation. So Iranian actor, they cannot play with me because otherwise they cannot go back to the country first. The one that are in, outside, they are not so many. So I don't have the choice between huge amount of great actor that I can, I can hire. Then I made Persepolis in French, and I think it's a love, love story. It can it can work in in any other language. But I'm also I'm also aware that the situation of the world has changed. I mean, things that we used to do, you know, like uh, I don't know, anybody could play any role. Now it has changed, and people they want authenticity and all of that. But at the time that I made it, it was still possible, you know, to have. People speaking another language, I think the, la- the, the language is just a tool actually. I, I use it you know in a way of making the story the most palpable, the most understandable by a majority of people. Therefore you know my late, latest film, Marie Curie is made in English I mean Marie Curie she's Polish and she speaks French, nevertheless, you can easily make it in English because you know the story is not just a french story it 's it's an international story and I think a love story is nothing more international than a love story. Thank
1: you. A viewer comments, "I love this movie so much. A tragedy that is also laugh out loud funny. It reminded me of the French film Portrait of a Lady on Fire and also of The Lighthouse, both of which treated the same subject with pathos and horror. How do you de- how did you decide to make this a comedy?"
0: Well, I think that you know this notion of as non-stop sadness does not exist, you know, like nobody is sad all the time and nobody is happy all the time. I try, I've always tried to make anything that I do look like the real life and in the real life, you know, is everything but black and white. It's everything that is in between. In every worst, you know, sadness, you always have a moment, you know, like that, you know, it becomes a joke because it's inappropriated because things happen, you know, it, it, it's always like that. And so is in the happiness. So I, I think in cinema in general, you're know, looking too much for a style. If you look too much for a style, you will find death because style, style, style would completely kill the life itself. You have to look for life and then a the style appears by itself. So I just try to make it like that. But also then the Iranian culture is very much based on the humor we have always laughed, and if we did not laugh, I mean, given the horror that happened in this country if we did not have the capacity of making jokes and laughing about the, the, the thing, I think all of us we would be we would be dead so I think uh, the more the situation is, is is sad, the deeper the sadness is, and the more is subject you know of making jokes plus you know i mean in a very narrative, uh, you know, construction. It cannot create sadness over sadness over sadness. After a while, you know, people they have an overdose of sadness, so it doesn't work anymore. So you you need some moment of breathing by some jokes and things like that. And me, I know, in my life, at least, it is once per day that something really makes me laugh. And most of the time, it's not very funny. The subject is not funny, but it's so absurd that what can you do but laughing?
1: Thank you. Another viewer says, do you have a favorite day among Nasser Ali's reflections in the film? Each one was beautiful and creative to me, but I think I like the fifth day best with the scenes with his mother and the smoke.
0: It is also, you see what I'm doing? Yes, with the mother and the smoke, it, it's that. I, it, 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 that was in my family that they always said that the cigarette was the food for soul. And I, and I really do believe that. I know that now, you know, it's, I should not smoke and all of that, but I'm in my home, so nobody can. Get an indirect cancer from me. So, as an adult, I think I have the right to do whatever I want with myself. Uh, yes, I think also smoke is something extremely photogenic, you know, in cinema. I mean, imagine Humphrey Bogart without his cigarette. Imagine Lauren Bacall without her cigarette. I mean, all of that, you know, is is, is this thing that you know, this thing that you breathe in, you breathe out. Uh, you know, for a non-smoker, it's completely uh, un-understandable. Un- they find it disgusting, but it's it, it's very nice. Smoking is very nice. It it really gives you a very good feeling. I mean, I know it's a drug, but drugs are supposed to give you happiness. That's why people they take it. So yes, and I think it's something extremely photogenic with the, with the, with the, with the smoke. Yeah, it's very very cinematographic. So. I think I I agree with the viewer who said his favorite day was the fifth because probably mine
1: too. Thank you. Another viewer writes, do you think love exists over time? If Nasser Ali had married Iran, do you think they would have been any more inspired or content with their lives? If he had married her, would his music have been affected negatively since it was part of the source or pain of his being able to grasp the sigh
0: from midair? But the only love story that remain in the history that are the one that are unfortunate and they, they, they don't finish one. Imagine Romeo marrying Juliet. Would it be any image Romeo and Juliet? Of course not. Romeo and Juliet, they would have 12 kids together and then they would be shouting in Italian and they would have argument and blah, blah, and nobody would talk about them. The, the only love story that remains is because it's tragic. Without the tragedy, it does not exist. It's like the meat of, uh, uh, you know, Achilles. His mother tells him, "You have two choices: either you go, you die, and you become, you know, you become eternal in the history, or you remain here and you don't die, and then you're just a man, and that's it." And Achilles decides to go, and he dies, and he he becomes eternal, which is a choice that I can understand. Probably, you know, since I know that, you know. I do not believe that there is anything after death. I, I, I will go for the second choice myself much more easily because you know when you're dead, you know that I'm eternal or not. What doesn't change? You know, I want to be eternal by by not dying, not because I have a name or I have made books or whatever. But for the love story, I think one of the most important thing of the love story is actually is actually that is not a happy end otherwise you know it's the life of everyone you know with the boredom that it means etc which does not mean that is not love this is love but this is not for for having the story you have to have a big dramatic reason so if there is no dramatic reason you know i mean the, the life of the very happy people is not something nobody wants to see you know oh they're happy they grew up you know and then they went to the university and they married and they had nice children and they lived all their life together and they died would anybody wants to watch a film like that not me
1: thank you a viewer says can you please discuss the goofy son who goes to the u.s and leads a silly life
0: well i've seen that in my in my own family this is it i mean i have a. Uh, and by saying that, you know, I'm measuring my words, I don't I don't think that anybody, you know, that goes to America, they have a goofy life. But I have seen in my in my own family people that completely changed, you know, and they became people that I don't know, you know, like uh, you know, like it you know, it it seemed that they, they 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 marry a new culture and they want so much to be part of this culture that they forget where they come from. Um Yeah, it's it's a little bit, you know, it's like the, uh, the, you know, you have the American dream, and this is more like the American nightmare, I would guess. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Um, Someone writes, out of all your novels and films, is there one that is most dear to you?
0: Yeah, it's Sugarwood Plum. It is. It is because that is where I, uh, as I say, is where I put most of my soul. And this is, yeah, the, 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 the novel is my favorite one, yeah. And that is the last one that I made. That is a national novel that I wrote. I think that I will continue writing, not under, you know, a graphic novel form, maybe writing a book, but I reserve that for later because, you know, for that, and you know, I can be just old and you know, broken and I can sit and I can write. But then you know, I have to reserve some stuff that I want to do for later because otherwise, you know, if I do whatever I like now, what will be my hope for the future? I need to have some hope for getting old.
1: Another viewer writes, one of the characteristic features of your work is its refreshing disbelief in human perfection, which is coupled with the ceaseless desire of the pro- protagonist to improve the self. How would you define Nasser Ali's death within the context of your body of
0: work? No, he is completely right. I mean, this, the thing that inter- has always interested me most, you know, is the human perfection and this idea that the human being can be perfect. It's... Uh, it doesn't work i mean if you look historically you know the 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 civilization the moment of the history where they created most of the philosopher is the ancient greece you know suddenly you know in a place you know in within a time of you know 2 300 years you have all these philosopher one after the other one better than the other and why i, I always ask myself why did the, the Greek They created as many philosophers just like that in one go and why this has not been created somewhere else. And I think the response of that is in the, in the mythology of Greece and the, and the Greek gods. The Greek gods, all of them, they're imperfect. You know, they fart, they rob, they do, they, they do everything. The only thing that makes them God is actually because they're eternal. This is the only thing, but they're imperfect gods. None of them, they're perfect. So, if you have that for a God, who is not a perfect thing, but is a imperfect thing, just eternal, not like you, I think it takes away a big weight that is on us with the monotheism, where you know we have this perfect God that is only full of, is only light and is only love, and we want to tend to become this this God that we will never be able to become because you know we are human beings. And we are imperfect because we are going to die. So you know, the time that we understand what is life is about is already too late. You know, the body is giving up, and then it completely gives up. My grandmother always used to say, the moment that you become completely, you know, round, you know, the moment that you can actually, you know, roll in in the life, that, and 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 as as soon as you become round and you become flat, and this is the end of it. So. So the imperfection is made out of that. And I think it's very important you know, to underline that Unlike the human being with this imp- imperfection because otherwise it's an unachievable ideal. And the only thing that it will give is more frustration and more frustration brings uh, much more anger. It, you know, it, 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 be, it be creates much more cruelty. It creates much more war accepting that we are we are imperfect actually is an open door to become more wise because you know, we do we, we are not, you know, in this quest of absolutely wanting to be this thing that we will never become. So yeah.
1: Thank you. There are two questions from two different viewers about influences on the film. One viewer asks, was chicken and plums influenced by the film Amélie? And another viewer asks, I'd like to know if the director is familiar with Golshiri's Chazet et Tejab and whether she has been influenced by the novel. There are some striking similarities between the movie and the novel.
0: Uh, so uh, the, uh, so the, the Amélie, it's it's a very good example. I love the work of uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet. So, you know, if that is kind of an affiliation between my work and his work, I I can only take that as a huge compliment. So thank you very much, if you think, but uh, of course I'm influenced by the thing that I like. For me, uh, the cinema has always been, you know, to make the life more beautiful, bigger, better, you know, everything in cinema is much more beautiful. Love in cinema is much more beautiful than the reality. As is the war, the war looks much more beautiful in, the, in, the, in in the cinema than in reality in the reality you know war is just a horror so uh, so Amelie I mean, is a very good example of that and Sha job uh, yes is one of the one of the big sources of inspiration for me, not only the novel but also you know the, the film that has been made by Bahman Farman Auro that actually i uh, they gave me you know a like a you know like a white card of choosing five films that i have to present next week in a in a festival of cinema in france and actually one of them is jazette job you know like the way that he remembers how his cruel grandfather how he did you know with his family and how he did himself with his wife etc yeah but these are the sources of inspiration that said It's something that is a source of inspiration because you know I'm not made of plastic and I live in this world, and of course these are things that I have seen and of course these are things that are interesting for me and they have an influence for me, but I never try you know to look at somebody else's work and copy it on purpose because without making it on purpose I will copy other people's work that have been behind before me. It's is normal You, you can you know. I've grown up, I've seen paintings, I listening to some music, I've seen films, there are things that have really pleased me and they have made the person that I have become. So I cannot deny that you know there is some influence. But going on purpose and saying, Oh, a tribute to this, a tribute to that. I hate when people they make homage because homage in reality is that you're lazy and you don't want to make the job. So you take somebody else's work, you copy it, and then you say this is an homage. But for me it's just laziness.
1: Thank you. Uh, a viewer asked, could you please discuss the daughter and her life?
0: Oh, the daughter and her life. That was my mom's cousin. And as long as I remember, she was a big card player. You know, they in my family, from my mother and my father's side, both, they, they, like, they like to gamble. Actually, I love to gamble, too. But you know, I nowadays, I don't have the time to gamble. But otherwise, I could just sit and gamble the whole day. Um, and I always remember, you know, she was actually the daughter of this, uh, the, of, of this uh, grand uh, uncle. Now, you know, I mean, the story is not true. I, I mean, I have made up There are pieces of story in my family and I have put all of them together around this, this story. But this cousin existed, who was a huge smoker. And, you know, she was always gambling and smoking and she made one heart attack after one heart attack, and it was completely forbidden to her to do uh, that. But I think she had a broken heart too, like, just like her dad. And she just kept on smoking and making heart attack, attack, attack. And eventually she died. She was even at 50. Yeah. So I always had, you know, like a, I always had maybe this romantic idea about these people that uh, gambled with life, gambled with themselves, I, you know, these people, they have, it seems that is their heart is so broken that they're already dead, that they have nothing to lose. So they live the the life that they want. And in some extent, I always try to live this way because I think now at the age that I, I am, I have the feeling that, you know, I made it up to this age, I think it's already great. So whatever will come after that is just bonuses. that from now on I will live one year or 50 years or 20 years, doesn't really change anything because I I have lived, I have the feeling that I have lived enough. And I think it kind of gives a liberation. You know, not caring about what is going to come is actually a liberation. So if the bonus is long, better. If it's short, it's still a bonus.
1: Thank you. I want to read a few comments from viewers. One viewer says, your wit and wisdom, your humility and humanity makes me and I think all of us proud of being a plum loving Persian and a human being in these troubled times. Thank you for being. Another viewer writes, you are fabulous. And another viewer writes a comment and a question. It's inspiring to see the love and honesty you put into your work. Is there resistance to your narratives? And if there is, how do you deal with it?
0: It's always it has always been resistance to whatever I have done. And I always thought because I get, you know, all this award and prizes and everything, I, you know, in a very naive way, I thought that it's gonna make my life easier. It never did. It never did because you know it's always, you know, the question of, you know, people they put money, that, that, and then they want something back and you know, they have an idea for themselves. And it has always been lots of resistance and it has always been fight. But you know, the thing is that you know, I don't want to defend like my point of view because I think it's the best is that you know, I'm given to make an artistic work and I can be shallow about everything else in life. You know, I'm, I'm very prof- when it comes to the work, it has to be what I think is perfect and that is what is good for narration. So if I'm convinced by it, and I'm the only one who is convinced by it. If you are 1,000 and 999, they're not convinced and I'm the only convinced one, still I know that I'm right and they're wrong. I know it because I made it myself. And you know, I'm open to listen. You know, It's not like my point of view is the best, but there's sometimes I have conviction. And the way of dealing with it is uh, exactly comes to the thing that I just said previously. If, if you consider that life is a bonus, And no matter what happens, you know, who cares? Then it gives you, it it puts you in a a situation of strength. You know, it's like, because, you know, I never think that I have something to lose until I can do what I like to do. I have nothing to, to, to lose. You know, basically my way of dealing with the thing, I always ask myself two questions when it comes to big decision. The first question is that, are they going to be able to put me in jail? Okay, no. Can they kill me? No. So if I'm not in jail and if I'm alive, everything else is okay, I can take anything. So if, you, if this is my limit, you know, it gives you lots of freedom. So this is my way of dealing with it. They can't put me in jail, they can't kill me. So whatever happened, happened. So let's go for the fight. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Uh, A few viewers are asking about transitioning your novel to a film. One viewer says, how long did it take to write the book initially? And what made you decide to create an actual movie with real people versus Persepolis? And another viewer says, much has been written about the difficulty of turning words into images. What about turning your kind of novel into a film?
0: So for the first question, I, it took to take me about one year to write a book because you know it's not whatever I write is great, and you know I like to write, you know, like I write stuff, and then suddenly it's not good, so I have to start over and over and over. So it takes a while before you know it becomes uh, it it becomes something. So how do I make the transition between this uh, to the film? That was the question, right? Yes, Yeah. I actually, you know, by thinking the new narration and why didn't I make a, an animation film? Is it because I don't like to make an animation film? An you know, animation film is long. You have to be a marathon, you know, a marathonian. you have to be able to run a marathon. I'm not able to run a marathon. You know, I am very good at 100 meter, 200 meter, let's say 400 meter, you know, like something explosive. It goes fast blah, and then I arrive that I can hold it. But 42 kilometers is far too much for me. The reason I made an animation for Persepolis is that I thought to make it the most international possible so people they will understand it, it has to be drawing. Why? Because it's something in the abstraction of the drawing that makes that if anybody can identify to a drawing. You know, if you put a type of human being put in a geographical place. People actually, they cannot ident- identify with Oh, she doesn't look like me. I don't know this geography. Oh, this this is the story of this Middle Eastern. It's so far, far, far away from me. But people, they have no problem identifying to a mouse, you know, Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or whatever. They identify themselves very easily because it's abstract, it's a drawing. So this is why I made the animation. Once I made the animation, it was so long. So it was this one animation I made and that was it. So for my goal has never, Been, you know, to become an animator. I made an experience and I don't think it goes very well with my. I'm a very impatient person, so you know, like if you're impatient and you want to make an animation and you forget about it, it really cost me a lot, you know, to make this film. So this is the reason why I didn't make it this way. And what was the. I made such a long answer, so at the time I make it, I forget the second question. So, what was the second question?
1: The second question was um, much has been written about the difficulty of turning words into images. What about turning your kind of novel into a film.
0: Well, the thing is that I am a person of image. I've always been a person of image. That's why, you know, I did not write uh, straight books. That's why I I wrote graphic novels. So uh, for me, everything goes with the image to the extent, you know, that uh, I, I remember many years ago they asked me to write, you know, like a, a story for the radio that they played and I heard it, it was nice, but you know, I could not just the hearing was not enough. I need to I, I am a person of image. So for me it's not very difficult to put the image on, on the thing. So it's, it's very natural. So yeah. It's my work actually.
1: Uh, a viewer writes, comedy is language sensitive, even culture-based. Are you as much at ease in Persian as in French
0: in your comedy? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, Persian is a very nuanced uh, language. You know, you have lots of nuances in one, and it's a very, the imagery of the, pers- the Persian language is completely unreal. And the jokes, they're they, they they unreal, yes. I mean, a good laughter, uh, a Nothing makes me laugh more than an Iranian joke because it 's something that I really feel with all my heart um, It's a little bit like Iranian food. The only time that I feel that I have really eaten well that i 'm not hungry anymore is when I have the Persian food, otherwise you know I have eaten, but I don 't have this satisfaction at the end i don 't know it's something it's always you know I'm a little bit hungry at the end when with the Persian food, I never have this this problem but comedy. Is the most difficult thing to do. I will I will say why, because you know, in language we have different levels of language. You know, for example, I will say, oh, table, chair, you know, phone, whatever. I talk about object. Everybody understands. Then I talk about instinct, me hungry, you know, thirsty, this, that. Everybody understands. Then the human being around the world will all cry for the same reasons. It's the same for everyone. Oh, you know, my mother is dead, my father is sick, I lost my lover, my child, child like this. We all cry for the same reason, but do we laugh for the same reason? No. Laughter is based on something completely abstract, is, you know, is is a exercise of the brain, is a posture of mind. So it's very difficult, you know, to make something that make laugh people that are not from your own culture. Because you always have, you know, you have jokes, you know, for example, that belongs to a family and then to a village. And then you have this jokes of San Francisco. And then you have Californian jokes. And then you have American jokes. But then you have Charlie Chaplin that actually talks to everyone. Uh, The time that actually I can make something that makes laugh other people that does not necessarily come from my culture. I have the feeling that I have touched their soul because the humor is the height of the understanding of the other one is the humor, the second you laugh with someone is impossible that you're scared for, from this someone. The humor is you know, the, the key uh, to, to stop the war. If we could actually laugh all of us together, I think uh, we, we could be better, but we, yeah, that's it.
1: Thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. We're just about out of time, but I want to ask one last question with the last few minutes that we have. Can you tell us a bit about what this unusual year has been like for you as an artist? Or maybe say a few words about your ongoing work or any upcoming projects that you can tell us about?
0: Well, it was a lockdown in France, and it does not create any kind of creativity in me, like none because I finally understood that, you know, I misanthrope, as misanthrope as I I look to be, you know, and I enjoy my own company and all this thing that I'm saying is actually the source, the, the thing that actually makes me want to create something is the emotion that I feel. Now this emotion I have in by seeing the people, by watching them, by observing them, by listening, you know, pieces of their conversation, by. Looking at somebody's hair, you know the way they walk, the way they get dressed, you know the way they hold their back, all all of that—that that, that is source of, source of emotion for me. And without this emotion, for me, it's impossible to to create. So these two and a half months of lockdown in France, you know, when I was going, it was nobody in the street. So as beautiful, you know, as you know, Paris architecture is. After all, it's just architecture, it's just stone. I cannot become emotional seeing a stone. And as beautiful as, as it is, it gives me a first emotion, but it does not go further. I'm not sitting the whole day thinking about, oh, how this stone feels, what is the name of this stone? What is the profession of this stone? I, I don't do, do 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 this thing. So it was like complete, um, it cut everything in me, but I accumulated lots of frustration, lots of, lots of it. And the moment it opened, suddenly, you know, I started, you know, for for a long time, I did not write the script, you know, a screenplay. So now I'm writing a screenplay in which you have lots of interaction between people. And I finished, you know, finally finished all my paintings. I have my exhibit, uh, the 8th of October in Paris. So, but creation for me, I don't think that is the case of everyone, but has always come, you know, from, from, you know, yeah, from some kind of uh, acidity in the stomach is the frustration that once I want to create something. If I'm just happy, you know, basically the day the sun is shining, that I'm happy, you know, I go outside, I buy myself a skirt, you know, I have a drink with friends. I'm not like, oh, I need to write a book or a screenplay, etc. So it had this advantage of doing that. That's say, I think. I found it a little bit indecent all those people that were talking about how creative they have become, et cetera, et cetera. You know, when people they're dying, people, they become depressed, people, they're losing their jobs. I mean, you know, the situation of today is really bad is really, really, really bad. I mean, not only you have the pandemic and the, 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 the health crisis in, in one hand, and then the way, you know, people, they benefit from that and the way, you know, like the politics they, they, are, they, they are dealing with that and all the populistic movement that comes out of that uh, is not a very good indicator for, for our future. I think we have to be extremely, extremely careful about what is, going, uh, what is going to happen. So I don't think that the world of tomorrow is going to be very different. Frankly, I think the world of tomorrow is going to be the same world a little bit less good because people they're going to be more poor and it's going to be more of populistic uh, government and populism, populism and nationalism nationalism equal war people they have to understand you know it's not because you're born somewhere that all the other countries are just shit you know it's not you, know, you have people they have the right to love where where they're born but you know i never understood you know these people they're proud of you know like i'm proud of being french I'm proud of being American. I mean, what have we done to be the, the, the people that we are? we are just born somewhere, you know. We can be proud of the thing that we have achieved, you know. I'm proud of having become a good person, or you know, I'm not a nasty person, or I try to be kind to people. These are the reasons you can be proud of. But you cannot be proud because you know your parents made you in a geographical place. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, all these problems are going to. I think they're going to become bigger. Um, Unless, you know, we try to be more intelligent and we, have, we try to be more compassionate and having more empathy for the other one, but that is another story.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. This was a wonderful conversation. I know we're very much looking forward to your future works and we hope to host you again in person, preferably. Um, thank you to the viewers. Oh, do, I
0: prefer to, 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 to come in person, really. Perfect.
1: (laughs) We'll keep our fingers crossed. Thank you, everyone. This conversation was recorded. We will post it on our YouTube channel in a few weeks, and we hope to see you all soon. Thank you again, Rajan.
0: Thank you.
1: Bye.